What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer and Aaron Dotson with our second week in a row of our good friend and of ours and friend of the shows, Todd Clippard. Today, we're going to be talking about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And no matter how you slice it, this is a hot button topic. We expect a lot of chatter. We expect a lot of questions. In fact, uh, we want you to ask questions today. This episode is in response to a listener question. They sent me a rather lengthy uh, message asking about uh, a, que- a certain questions specifically related to marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And quite frankly, I think once you read this long message and we boil down uh, or distill down this message into, into a succinct question or two, it probably would be a five-minute video. However, we would like to take this time to just discuss all as- aspects of marriage, divorce, and remarriage because it is such a difficult topic. Before anybody says anything or digs into anything, we're going to read the standard, Matthew chapter 19, and verse 9, and I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth also commit adultery, or doth commit adultery. So, Guy in Woods is famous for saying, that verse needs no interpretation. That verse just needs to be followed. Nobody really misses this verse and and what this is saying. It's so simple. If you put away your wife or your husband, depending on your, your circumstance, and you marry somebody else, you are in sin and living in a constant state of adultery with one and only one exception fornication, not adultery, fornication, fornication and adultery are two different things. All fornication uh, or all, all fornication by a married individual is adultery, but not all adultery is fornication. And I'm sure that'll come out in the show, but we just want to, we just want to dive into it. Good, good morning, everyone. And hope you're doing well. Remember, uh, if you have a question, put it in the comments. If we don't get to it in a timely manner, uh, go back to your question, copy and paste it into the comments again, and we'll we'll get to it. In fact, we, we've got our first one. I'll put it up on the on the screen, and and I'll turn the floor over to uh, to uh, Aaron, and then we'll let Todd uh, bat clean up. Aaron, what's going on? Hey, what's up? It's good to be with you, Tony. Good to be with you, Todd. Good to be with you guys again. And uh, this is, as y'all know, is such a critical subject. I mean, uh, people's lives are at stake here. Their souls are at stake too. And so it's important because God has spoken. And, you know, you've very succinctly just gone over Matthew 19.9. Matthew 19.9 is not complicated to understand. And even for the person that's never heard that verse, you just read over it a few times, you'll get it, you know. Uh, even if you've never heard it in your life, just read over it a few times, you'll get it. You don't have to have a dictionary or a commentary. But um, God's will on the matter is very clear, but people get in all these different circumstances. And so sometimes I think all those different circumstances kind of cloud the issue a little bit or cloud the standard. That's kind of my thinking behind it. And, you know, but again, the questions that people ask, they're they're legitimate. People get in all kinds of situations and I want to believe that a lot of folks want to do what God says. And um, we also deal with people that we're trying to help. 
And so we're not, you know, not going to belittle questions or belittle circumstances, but we're always going to try to honor the standard, you know, honor yeah. God by honoring the standard and say, okay, here's the standard. Uh, what situation do you find yourself in? One thing I've really learned in my little bit of experience is people can lie to themselves. They can lie to the preacher, the elders, their brothers and sisters. They could even lie to their spouse about their previous marital conditions. But the bottom line is God knows the truth and God is not mocked. <laughs> Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So uh, it saddens me. And I think as teachers of God's word, we need to remind people that, that no matter what, God's standard still rings true. And on the day of judgment, you know, you may have been able to dupe, you know, a hundred congregations by telling people, yeah, I had a, I had a scriptural reason for remarriage, the one scriptural reason for remarriage, you know, my spouse committed fornication. And if they didn't, God knows. And, you know, yeah. we're going to be held, held accountable to God's standard. Anyhow, that's kind of my introductory thoughts, I guess. But yeah. Todd, if you want to, you know. Well, to segue with to, to Todd, I do want to say we will never make fun or make light of or diminish your question that 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 involves a what if scenario. Yep, exactly. So if you've got a what if question, today's the day to ask it. All right, Todd. Amen. Uh, I just couple couple of things. Just housekeeping. Uh, Brother Woods used to say he'd say uh, Matthew nineteen nine says whosoever divorces his wife except to be for fornication commits adultery he said now the explanation of that verse is whoever divorces his wife except for fornication commits adultery yeah he said and the and the commentary on that verse is whosoever divorces his wife except to be for fornication commits adultery yeah. the, the verse doesn't have to be explained just has to be practiced now no, that's, the, that's the word i was looking for yeah i had i heard brother woods say that it was uh, and you know, but it, it was a comical way or a lighthearted way to say that, you know, the verse, the verse is clear. It says, you know, it says exactly what it says. Now, one thing to, and I don't know if I, 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 I was listening, but I make one thing. All adultery is fornication, but not all fornication is adultery. I don't remember if you, I don't know if when you said that. I, I, I basically said the same thing, but from the different angle, I, I said that all fornication within the within within the boundary of marriage is adultery. Oh, okay, I, okay. I, but I, not all adultery is fornication. Okay. Like you can commit adultery against your spouse without also fornicating. Yeah. Thus, you would you would not you would not fall under the marriage, divorce, and remarriage law. Like for instance, Jesus said, "If a woman, if a man looketh upon a woman to lust after her." then he has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Uh, that is committing adultery, but it's not committing fornication. So if I, if I, let's say I'm addicted to pornography, that is adulterating the bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh contract that I have with my wife. But it does not release either of us from the, the bounds uh, does, or the bond. It doesn't meet the Matthew nineteen nine threshold, right? It it has to be pornea, which bluntly or bluntly pornea is things you would do with a prostitute, right? Yeah, that, that's the etym you know without diving too deeply into the etymolo etym etymology of that word. Easy for um, you, yeah, and it's not easy for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> me either. Um, but also 
Uh, let's say, and I've used this scenario before, let's say that I didn't know about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, and my wife and I just, quote, unquote, fall out of love, so we divorce. So we, I've put her away, and she says, you know what? Uh, I'm going to live a life celibate because I'm, I'm in my 40s, but, you know, I'm 46. I want to find me another woman, and I court another woman, and then I marry her, but I'm, not, I'm still not at heart a nefarious person. I want to follow all the commandments, precepts, and divine examples of God. I'm just wrong about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. So I court this woman, and we're celibate. Now, I propose to her. She says yes, and I stand before God in witnesses, and I, I vow to do all the things. In other words, we, we, we get a marriage license with the state. I stand before the officiate, and once the officiate says, you do, I do, you do, I do, okay, and then I now pronounce you man and wife, once we set ourselves out as a married couple, I am now committing adultery, having never fornicated. So we, we've, we've, we've got to teach this, because I hear a lot of my brethren say, well, the only reason, the only exception to the marriage, divorce, and remarriage clause is adultery. That is nowhere in Scripture. Right. Jesus never said adultery was the exception. Fornication is the exception. Yeah. And fornication are, is things you would do with a prostitute. Adultery evidently has a much lower threshold. I can, I can adulterate my bone-of-my-bone, flesh-of-my-flesh contract without committing fornication. So that... Yeah, that that's one of the things that we've got to. And, and again, it, it also helps whenever I think about how much to protect my marriage. I, I build the walls around my marriage very, very high mm -hmm. because I know that the threshold for adultery is, quite frankly, is low. Yeah. And I, I like what you used a word a minute ago or just a moment ago that's important. Um Matthew 19.9 is not God's law on marriage. Matthew 19.9 is the exception to God's law. Amen. On, uh, you know, Matthew, Matthew 19.4-6 is God's law on marriage, and Matthew 19.9 is the exception to God's law on marriage. A lot, a lot of people are confused about that. Uh, you know, God's law on marriage is one man, one woman for life, and there is only one exception to that, and that is the case of putting one away from fornication. That's it. Matthew 19, 9 is the exception. Uh, the, the law, the law is Matthew 19, 4 through 6. One thing. I, <laughs> That's one, a good point. Yes, it is. One thing I'd like to throw in that I just, since we're just kind of defining terms with scripture and how Jesus, I think it's just useful for teachers of God's word to remind and be clear about how the one exception for divorce and to be able to remarry is fornication. We actually state, you know, it's fornication, folks. And like we've already said, things you do with a harlot. We're talking about, you know, unlawful physical sexual acts. You know, we're not talking about waving at somebody or, you know, a, a peck on the ear. Or, you know, we're talking about, I mean, you got to get specific with the and, word because the word is. And, and we're not even talking about an emotional affair. Right. That's, that's, that's not fornication. And, and, and the, one of the reasons I'm bringing this out is because I have met people and talked with folks before in my, in my short little lifetime, and, and they're, they're in some kind of bad situation. I don't know exactly what it is, but the way they're talking, they're like, I, I think my spouse committed fornication. 
And I'm like, well, it, it, you know, Jesus said it, it's supposed to be because they did that. You you know, I mean, like, I just, I wouldn't want to <laughs> risk my immortal soul, you know, heaven or hell on, you know, yeah, I, I, I think they committed fornication. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. so-and-so said they did. And I, I just, I just want to warn people, be careful, do, do your homework. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm the judge or, you know, the investigator. I just, yeah. you know, be careful. Um, not to cut you off, Aaron McKinley no. paint. I want to, I want to read McKinley. There are so many good. I know. Listen, Todd, we, we would be here nine hours for this conversation. So, uh, but I do want to get this because I, I, I like what he says. It's a good, it's a good way to conceptualize it. Adultery is a lifestyle, not a singular act. And 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 I would I would co-sign off on that given in the context of, you know, one can one one can lead an adulterous lifestyle. I think it would be awkward to say one is leading a like there's no way to conjugate that. Fornicative lifestyle. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> adultery is a lifestyle, not a singular act. One lives in adultery and one performs fornication. At least that is the way I see it in Scripture. We need to make sure that we do not rely on Webster when trying to define scriptural words, and that's that's the biggest key. Uh, you know, a lot of times in in debate or trying to teach, even uh, you'll have somebody take exception to what you say, and they'll pull out the Oxford English Dictionary. And I love the Oxford English Dictionary, but we have to define words by Scripture. And like I said. Yeah. I can live in adultery, and I can't live in fornication, but I can fornicate, and I can have a life marked by fornication, and I can be con I can be called a fornicator. But I, I don't know. It, 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 I, that I, that for, may be fornication does not require marrying someone. You know, that's you can live in a state of fornication the same way you can live in a state of adultery or drunkenness or all yeah. everything that's in First Corinthians six. Uh, and verse number nine, and you can commit adultery as a one-time act because yeah. it's fornication, but it's a specific type of fornication. It, you know, if a, if, if a man steps out on his wife for one night, that constitutes adultery, but it's a, yeah. it's a specific type of fornication, and 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 is and is rightfully called is rightfully called adultery. Yeah, uh, if uh, you know. If one's wanted to, you know, if one chose to, to use that terminology, and I think that most people, most people would. I don't. I don't think they. Yeah. Would, I don't think they would say fornication. I think they would say, you know, if my spouse cheated on me, that they committed adultery against. Right. Me. And, and I think people would understand exactly. And and the the problem with the conversation, though, even with this, we are we are all speaking of this with different levels of pedantry. In other words, McKinley is not being pedantic he he's being surface level as i'm not and that, that i don't mean any insult to mckinley but like we we have to have like there's different levels of parlance and i could see myself in a like in a bible class setting when we're just surfacing this be like yeah well no you can live in adultery you can live an adulterous life and uh, but you can live a life marked by fornication so being pedantic like you can actually live as a fornicator because First Corinthians six, as you said, Todd, such were some of you. But overarchingly, if I'm going to surface level and conceptualize this, like, I, yeah, I commit fornication, and if I only do that one time, 
Well, that's a one-time act. Yeah. If I never repent yeah. of it, I'm, I'm considered a fornicator. It would make but, you fornicated. Do what? It would make you a fornicator in, the, in, that, in that same sense, even if it was only one time. Yes. and But it, it also moves me from the realm of not living in a life of adultery into living a life of adultery. Gotcha. So, so yeah. like I said, it, it's uh, we. Th this is where my logic brain comes in, and you can have verbal disputes or you can have arguments, and that's the problem I think with this particular topic, is no one spends the painstakingly, meticulously difficult time in the beginning to everybody to get on the same page and and decide which level of pedantry we will bring into our parlance. What? And I know I'm, that's a highfalutin way of speaking, but that's the only nomenclature that I have. I, I'm thinking McKinley is using adultery there in the sense of divorcing your spouse because you fell out of love and you marry someone else, so you're practicing adultery. That consequent marriage is adulterous. I'm thinking that's the way he's using that's, it. Whereas at I the very so. beginning, we were very pedantic. We said, well, adultery could actually be committed just one time, not necessarily a, a, an illicit marital contract. You, you, you watch pornography and you've adulterized your marriage. Adulterated. You yeah, you didn't commit fornication, but but you sinned and you, you yeah, that, that, that's, but yeah. Again, like day. what you said, there's there's a lot of words here, but we're we're all saying the same well, things. Let let's get to some com 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 comment comments. Let's go. I, I, I kept trying to say content. So here's one. This is from Scott Beck. This is our first one. We've got other comments here that we want to get to. Can can a divorce be repented of and the slate be wiped clean? That's. Well, you're still going to have to define terms. What do you mean by the slate wipe? Now, look, I know what the question is asking. It, can the slate be wiped clean, which means can I repent of an unscriptural divorce and then remarry? And, of course, the answer to that is is no. Absolutely. Because there's a, there's a difference between there's a difference between the penalty of sin and the consequence of sin. That's it. And, you know, the penalty of sin can be repented of and the slate is wiped clean. But the consequence of sin is, is a far, you know, is a far different matter altogether. Uh, um, you know, you can repent of murder and have the slate wiped clean, but there's still, you know, there's still consequences to be suffered or, or, or any other sin that, that one might commit. So the, the penalty of sin can be forgiven. The consequence of sin still has to be has to be uh, uh, born. And you're not allowed to go back to murdering. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. Right. So you, you can repent true. of an adulterous marriage. Yeah. But you've got to come out. You can't go right back to it. It's like if I'm if I'm in a, if I'm married to three women and I then I as a Muslim and then I convert to Christianity and I'm baptized into Christ, I can't well, my, my slate is wiped clean. That's absolutely correct. I can't go back to the house and be married to three women again. Right. Right. I got to fix that. In Africa, a lot of that doesn't even have anything to do with being a, being a Muslim. A lot, a lot of African, uh, a lot of African uh, nations practice, still practice polygamy, and we we run into that problem all every year when we're when we were there. We had we had to deal with that. And, yeah. And and, and, and uh, yeah. The answer, the answer to that question, and like the polygamy question, 
and and really every other marriage, divorce, remarriage question is can be answered through the principle of oneness. You know, when, when we understand when we understand the principle of oneness as it applies to marriage, it answers it answers you know the vast majority of the questions. And the question, you know, the, the, so the the examination is, you know. Everybody has the right to be married one time. And the yeah. Bible, the Bible grants every single person the yeah. right to be married one time. And when we yeah. but when we say married one time, we mean married as God. Yeah. Ordained by God. Yeah. Time. And so, and that's the oneness principle, because two people, when they marry, whether or not they even believe in God, God's the one that joins them. Yeah. And if you don't even know about God or, you, or you're an atheist or, or no matter what you believe about marriage is irrelevant. When two people who've never married before get married, God joins them. And that's, that's, and that's the oneness principle. Yep. We, we, and I, I'll, I'll summarize this quickly, try to get to the end. It, and then whatever, whatever separates the marriage bond still is sub oneness principle. And so then you can answer a lot of your other questions that come on down the line about the oneness principle. And yet, and the question is ultimately, did God join these people together? Yep. And and if an understanding of the oneness principle is critical to answering a host of of, of what ifs. And, you, know, you know, we you know we can what if all day long on this subject and all night too. But yeah. When you, if you boil it down to the oneness principle, you, you can solve a lot of the of the what if. That's it. Um, for those of you that are watching this on Facebook in the Facebook group, I am actually I'm able to see your comment, uh, Facebook user. The only sin that cannot be repented of and have the slate wiped clean is the sin that one will not repent of. And I wanted to get one more that I may have lost. Well, where'd it go? You want to get the one on the screen or another one? No, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna read that one and then we want okay. to another question. Okay. Uh, how uh, I know some preachers who deny that one can live in adultery. Yeah. And then that that's you know there there's questions in the comments about the uh, question um, the question of um, oh. Anyway, why, why the confusion on this? Maybe it's some of the versions. Maybe it's some of the modern translations or something like that. And it may well be because, like, for instance, the, uh, the I can't I don't know what it's called, the New American Bible Revised Edition or something like that. The New American Standard of 1995. Oh, well, now the New American Standard of 1995 is very egregious. This actually says simply immorality. Right, <laughs> yeah. Where at least the new King James, I think, says sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. But again, watching pornography is sexually immoral. Yep. Um, but listen to this. I say to you, whosoever divorces his wife unless the marriage is law is unlawful and marries another commits adultery. Wow. That that's I don't understand that at all, unless the wow. marriage is unlawful. I mean that's probably taking something out of uh, John's statement to Herod, if I was guessing. Probably so. Um, I, I'm, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying that. Obviously, I'm not saying that thing is right. But yeah. Uh, 
but I think that's probably where that came from. Where you know where John yeah. said it's not lawful for you to have her. Probably. Um, and then of course Robert Leedy brings up a good point. He, he talks about his mom. I mean, th this is a barrier to entry. Yep. For some people. Oh yep. yeah. Probably and a then, lot of people. Probably. Uh, I, one of one of our listeners from the continent of Africa, Jet to Mobi, did we check Vine's definition of adultery? Now th this is. We don't have to, is the thing. Context defines a term. Right. So I, I can go yeah. to Matthew chapter 19, 9, and I can see adultery and fornication are used. So then I've got to think, well, why did Jesus use those two terms? Then I go to Matthew chapter 5, and I can see that adultery can be committed without fornication being committed. And then I can go to... Uh, other passages of scripture that talk about uh, fornication and talk about adultery. But whenever we look at vines, Joseph A. Thayer, the brown drivers aren't and Griggs, uh, the, uh, the Byzantine lexicon, mounts and others, all of them uh, define adultery as a, basically bringing something into the marriage and, and it all of those commentaries, all of those lexicons rather uh, speak of different usages of the terms and it, the usage of the terms. Remember you have metonyms and synecdoches and you can use the word adultery as a metonym for fornication. If you are married, like my wife committed adultery. Okay. So you mean she, she read Fifty Shades of Grey. No, no, she met somebody at work, went to a motel, and had sex with them. You see how we have to to further mm -hmm. get the term, but I can use yeah. adultery as a metonym and or a synecdoche of those figures of speech. But Vines and Mounts and Thayer and all of those uh, just corroborate what we've been saying, that adultery can be committed without fornication, you know. Yeah. Well, the one reason that a person can put their spouse away and marry another is fornication, not adultery. That's it says it. fornication. It's a different Greek word than the Greek word translated adultery. Yeah. And 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 whoever marries or excuse me commits adultery, committeth. That's a pre, that kind of that, that kinda that answers the question earlier. Yes, commits this, and keeps on committing. It's present tense. They're, they continue. A per, it is possible for a person to so sin and continue to live in adultery because of an. Uh, of a marriage that's not God approved, God ordained, you know. I'm looking for the, com a lot of you are putting uh, comments in that, that are just adding to the discussion. And I appreciate that. Um, I am, I am specifically looking for, um, for questions. Hey, here was a question, Tony. I'm going to put it up. It was early on right after Robert Leedy. Yeah. And Sue Ross had a, no, no, it was Susan Marie. No. Anyway, one, go this ahead. This was right after, um, Rob Leedy's on comment on about the mother, you know, his mother, this is one of the barriers to entry for her. But this question, I've heard the brotherhood that it is recommended to return to your, uh, to thee or your first marriage, quote unquote, love your youth, love of your youth. Is there any scriptural merit in this? That's a hot topic and I don't want to hijack. The, I do not believe that once you put away your wife for fornication, I don't believe you can take her back. Um, 
I'm not alone in that. And I'm going to, I'm going to appeal to some secular authority and uh, go ahead and tell you that, um, because the first time I heard this, I vehemently disagreed with it. Um, there is no exception to the clause of whosoever marries her that's been put away doth also commit adultery. So if I marry someone who has been put away, regardless of their identity, I'm committing adultery. Now, there's an answer to that based on some grammar that I think is pretty flimsy. But um, Wesley Simons is the first person that I heard from that. And um, I've had some, some lengthy conversations about it. And I could not in good conscience uh, counsel someone who has put away their spouse for fornication and has lived that way for, you know, any length of time, a day, a week, a year, um, you're, you're that, 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 that person, in other words, you can't give me a book chapter and verse that allows that exception because it's not there. And there's no, there's no place in scripture that would allow a person to put away their mate for fornication and then marry them again. Right. I, I, it's because the exception is. Well, Matthew 19, 9 says, whosoever divorces his mate for fornication and marries another. Right. Commits adultery. So it's talking about somebody other than, it's talking about somebody other than the original mate. So you've got the another principle there. Um, of course, you've got 1 Corinthians 7, 10 that uh, the wife is not depart from her husband, but if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be, be reconciled to her husband. And then you've got, to me, you've got the whole testimony of the entire Old Testament where Israel lived in adultery to God, or, or, or even with regard to the, the prophet Hosea, where you, mm-hmm. have, you have an entire history of, of adultery, and that's what God called it. Um, but, uh, through their repentance, they were able; they were to be restored uh, back back to their original husband. And uh, I, I get it, I, I get it. And in and in uh, Deuteronomy twenty four one through four, you know the you also have where again, I, well, I'm not even going to go to the Old Testament because, quite frankly, it's not pertinent because Jesus said, "Whosoever marries someone that has been put away." enters into an adulterous relationship. And the the thing about it is, when does a marriage res, uh, dissolve? So if, if, I, if, if my wife commits fornication and I put her away, God dissolves that marriage, regardless of whether or not I marry somebody else. Like that marriage is dissolved. She is no longer bone of my bone, flesh and of my flesh. you're free of that law. Yes. Now, if I, now she, she goes out into the pool of, people who are identified in other words she 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 moves into a a wholly different ontological class she is now one who has been put away which is the second clause or the second sentence in Matthew 19:9 whosoever that would be me marries one that has been put away that's now her commits adultery there's still a problem though. And, and plus I don't think there's enough cases of this to, to, to drive a nail in it and spend too much time on it. But 
you know, it, it, it still says Mary's, it still says Mary's another. So see, I can argue just as strong on the first half of the clause as you can argue in the second half of the clause. And I think obviously the obvious intent of the clause in Matthew 19, 9 in the second half is not the original husband. It's somebody else. That's the natural reading. Uh, that's the natural reading of the text, but, but, Right, but but yeah. remember those, those two. I'm always, I'm I'm always going to I'm always going to encourage repentance and reconciliation, just because the 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 entirety the entirety of the of the of of repentance and, and restoration through both testaments plus uh, plus you know First Corinthians seven and Matthew nineteen nine. I, I I'm I'm always going to encourage because that's what God wants. If I leave. Yeah. The, wants me to come back to him no matter you know and so but that I, I mean I, i'm always i'm always going to argue for repentance and reconciliation uh yeah and just because i i just think it's the i think it's the i think it's the biblical model from the beginning and and uh yeah well i can say it the well the, the first the first corinthians uh chapter seven uh, God never dissolved the marriage there. Yeah, that, like I don't if, think if, you're, if an unbelieving spouse yeah. leaves, God hasn't dissolved that marriage. Mm -hmm. Like they're still they're still married because because that 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 deals with abandonment. You know, there there's not there's not a, you're not dealing with a dissolvement of the bond of holy matrimony. Yeah, that's, I think that's I think that's right. I think there's merit in both. You know, both what what you're saying there. There's yeah. I mean it it's. I mean, we, you know, we've talked about it like five minutes and, and yeah. I, I haven't really even gone hard on it, you know, that's yeah. I'm pulling my punches here, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, that's just, just for our listeners. I, there's no way that I in good conscience could, could counsel somebody that, well, you, you can't, you can't marry someone which is put away. Well, who is that? I, I don't, I'm not authorized to speak on that. You can't marry somebody that's been put away. Well, what if you can't marry somebody that's been put away? But yeah, the Old Testament, you can't marry somebody that's been put away. If if your marriage has been dissolved, you can't find me a book, chapter, and verse that authorizes an exception to marrying someone that's been put away. And that's that's the only way that, that I can... But my argument will always be, well... Here, here, here's the reason why I think I can marry somebody that's been put away. Yeah, but Jesus said, Whoso, whosoever marrieth her which is put away commits adultery. That's, I, I don't, I don't, I don't under, I don't, again, I mean, we can. My only input is I hadn't, I hadn't done a huge yeah. deep dive study on it, but I'm, I'm you know, I, I, I see merit in what both are you saying, but I don't, yeah. I don't well, know. That, I, that tells you why you need to be very careful who you marry in the first place. Oh yeah, and you I don't need know to guard like, to the, both to the, ends. To the question, to the question, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I would recommend somebody to go back to their. I don't know. That's my answer. I'm just being honest. I don't yeah. want to say something if I hadn't deep dive studied it real hard. No, I'm, sure. I don't I'm, know. I am. I am witchy. I mean, there's times when I think just, just even if they're even forgetting your comments, Tony, just for a moment, just. I don't know if I'd always recommend somebody to go back to their original spouse. Their original spouse may be a mess or something. You know, I don't know. I anyhow. <clears throat> yeah. Um, 
Ajetimobi says in, in Matthew 99, the two words, pornea, and I don't know, I don't, I, moikatata or whatever. I guess is the Greek used. word adultery. Are they mm -hmm. used synonymously? No, they are not. Or is one being a subset of the other? Can we reconcile? Uh, we've talked about can we reconcile, but I think, I think we, we run the risk of overthinking something. Just look at the clauses. It is true that, as we said in the beginning, fornication between a married person and another person is always adultery. So it is possible that you can use the term adultery as a metonym for fornication. Or you can use the term fornication as a metonym for adultery. But to, to make the statement that they are in Matthew 19:9 that one is a subset of the other is is saying is going too far semantically. It's it's semantically loading those terms in a way that the original speaker never intended. And it's, you know, we we just have to go with here's their usage in other places and by the same speaker, and therefore that informs how we interpret Matthew 19.9 in those two terms. In other words, if I look at pornography, I'm committing adultery, but I'm not committing fornication. But if I, if I go out and I cheat on my wife physically with another woman, and we know what that means, then I am committing adultery, and I'm also committing fornication, and then I fall into the category of she has a right to put me away. Yeah, and dissolve that marriage. And remarry. Be free to remarry. Yeah. Only God can dissolve such, and there's one reason that it can be dissolved. That is it. Um, yeah, and and here's another one that gets, this is, this is a very hot topic even in the brotherhood. Is there scripture that says it's permissible to marry again after a spouse dies? Well, again, in the, it depends on what you mean, but... If, like right now, me and LaBeth, if LaBeth dies, I can marry somebody else. If I die, LaBeth can marry somebody else. But if LaBeth cheats and I put her away for fornication and I die, she still cannot marry somebody else because she will always be someone who has been put away. For and anyone who marries her will commit adultery, irrespective of Romans 7. Romans 7 does not apply to that scenario. Any thoughts on Romans 7, Todd? There, is it connects to that? or Again, you've got, I mean, you've got, Romans 7 says if her husband's dead, she's free from the law of her husband. Right, but her, but she didn't have a husband when her husband died. <laughs> that, that's the thing. If, if I put away, if I put away LaBeth for, Fornication. I, I understand. What you're yeah, she no longer has a husband. So if I die, she doesn't. She's not under the purview of Romans seven. Like that. That marriage was dissolved. Well, like for instance, um, yeah. Again, Danny. The problem is Romans seven. Paul is not trying to teach anything about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Paul is trying to teach something about the Jews being able to come into the law of Moses. So he's not dealing with a marriage that is anything other than the gold standard for marriage. 
So yeah. whenever, whenever, uh, whenever I will we'll use me and LaBeth. So I've put away LaBeth because she, she found another man and I have a right to remarry. So now I remarry and then I die. Does that release my wife from the law of marriage, divorce, and remarriage? She hasn't been my husband. I haven't been her husband in 20 years. She has no husband. So she is not, she doesn't fall under the purview of of Romans 7. I mean, sounds like to me, if she still does have a husband, then you're a polygamist. Exactly. Then I'm in sin if she still has a husband. Yeah. Yeah, it's dissolved when you, I mean, isn't putting your spouse away that's committed fornication, isn't that calling on God's authority in a sense to release you from that? I mean, only God can release you from that. But you're making this a distinction in Romans 7 between a, a woman that's just divorced for incompatibility as opposed to one who's been put away fornication. Is that correct? Yeah, so well, I'm not making the distinction. Paul is, Paul, we'll, we'll read it. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. So like you understand how law works. The law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Now think about a woman which has a husband. She's bound by the law. Well, what law? The law of marriage. I mean, in 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 the in the in that case, being under the law of Moses and the law of Christ, or under the patriarchal law, God's law of marriage transcends all of those. As long as her husband lives, she's bound to him. We're not talking about a woman who was unbound. We're I talking about we're yeah. talking about a woman who has remained bound. Yeah, because if you put Labeth away because she committed fornication, she's no longer your wife. She's not you bound. Are no longer her husband. That, that 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 does not fall under the purview of Romans seven. Right, but if you just divorce for incompatibility, she'd still be she's Romans. Romans seven you, would apply. If you yeah, if you divorce for incompatibility, then you died. She's released from that law because you're still her husband. Yes. Okay, I got it. Yes. That's what I but, thought you were saying. I just yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah, yeah. But if but if but if but if I put Labeth if I put if, if I put Labeth away because she burns the biscuits, which she has never done, <laughs> even though you used the illustration more than once, probably. <laughs> even though, even though, yeah, she's But yeah. but anyway, yeah. Remember, she, you advised me to use biscuits one time as an example. Don't say any, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or which one was it? You told me to use. What was the illustration? <laughs> you to use burned biscuits yeah yeah not use one you were using in our conversation right right i I, I use an example is a little little too sensitive (laughs) oh well don't do that (laughs) i know so 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 if if labeth burns the biscuits and i say you know what me and you not gonna work i gotta have a woman that knows how to cook biscuits and I put her away, and she says, well, you can't do that. I, I can't get remarried, and you, you're going to be an adulterer if you marry, and you're going to make whoever you married an adulterer, an adulteress. Yep. Well, she ain't going to have any control over me. I'm going to go get married to this woman. But LaBeth is still bound to me. If I die, she's no longer bound. But if LaBeth finds her another man and has sex with that man, and I put her away for fornication, God dissolves the marriage, not me. And then therefore she no longer falls under the purview of Romans 7. If I die, she's still one that's been put away. Um, 
Yeah, until death do I until death do us part, I am not under penalty if my divorced wife dies. I Yeah, until death do us part is the golden standard. And and Romans chapter seven is dealing with the golden standard until death do us part. He's not dealing with because it's until death do us part or you fornicate and I put you away and God parts us. Like that's, there's no, there's no other way to parse that out. All right. I'm just reading through the comments. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. It's kind of combing over it, making sure, you know, I didn't see something that I want to highlight. Go ahead. Well, Well, this is a good one right here. This falls into what you said in the beginning. Be not deceived. God's not mocked. You're going to sow what you're going to reap what you sow. Don't don't think you can mock God. Mm-hmm. Most of what most of the what ifs can be answered by looking at the once principle, which Todd spoke of, and the yeah. am I trying to fool God? On that fooling God, let me just I want to say when people say, so you're saying, no, you can't fool God. <laughs> like, don't say, Aaron, you're saying. Yeah. Like, but I want to, but I am going to use an, a, 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 a scenario. If I say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put my wife away. She hasn't committed fornication and I'm going to wait for her to remarry somebody else. Then I can get remarried. It's like, yeah. you can't play games with God like that. Well, that, you, that scenario works a lot better from the woman's perspective. I'm going to put him away. And when he gets hard up and gets weak, cause you know, men have a little bit different drive. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to put him away for fornication. Yeah, it's like, not, that's playing games. God is not mocked. You put yep. them away so they could mess up. That's like, that's not. Yeah. Any, yeah. Uh, God doesn't even recognize a divorce of incompatibility or some other reason that isn't that which he gave authority, correct? Though some would try to make Romans 13 apply. Yeah, Romans 13 absolutely doesn't apply because. We ought to obey God rather than man, but you're correct. Yeah, it's. I feel like there was another. Once had a roommate who divorced her husband and married a man. The guy was all about helping her stay in the country. Once she had her papers uh, sorted, she dumped the second guy and went back to her original husband. I told her it was wrong, but she swore she never even shared a bed with the second dude. That gets into the that gets into the misconception of consummation, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you're married to somebody regardless of whether you have sex with them. That's right. Eunuchs were married in the Bible time. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, if the guilty party lives and the innocent party dies, then the guilty party is no longer under penalty. That that is false. The guilty party is always under penalty for the rest of their existence because there is no exception for whoso marrieth her which is put away doth also commit adultery because Romans 7.1 only releases two bound people yeah. and the guilty party is no longer bound to the innocent party. The innocent party's death that's as tragic as it is. That's just a death of a person. Yep. That Romans seven one does not apply to anything less than 
the golden standard for one man, one woman for life. Yeah. Hey, Tony, let's get back to the very beginning for a minute. Um, yes. Um, from, from all the way back to the original, all the way back to the original question. And I don't remember because we were having some discussions before we went live and, and whatnot. Do, we were talking about, um, about um, people's understanding of marriage uh, when they entered it. Uh, yeah. And, and, and also uh, uh, there was made mention about how somebody can, somebody can lie about their marital status and, and what, and what about that? And I want to, I want to talk about both of those things, if it's all right, just for a minute. Yeah. And I want to talk about the second one first, um, simply because it's a situation that I've dealt with recently. That is, you know, uh, the question is, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm dating some person who is divorced, you know, I have a scriptural right to marry either. I've never been married or my spouse is dead and I'm dating someone who's been divorced, but they tell me that their divorce was for Matthew 19, nine reasons, but they're lying. Will I be held responsible for that? And, and, you know, I had to give, you know, I had to give that some thought and it, and it's amazing how, it's amazing how the providence of God comes into to play sometimes uh, because right about the time that came up, I was in my daily Bible reading in the Old Testament and I was in Leviticus. And in, Levit in Leviticus 4 and in Leviticus 4 and, and following, there are a number of reference to, references to uh, people who committed sin and ignorance, but it says, and are guilty. And are guilty, and, and and so you have you know you have um, there no, it's, there's there's some precedent there's some precedent to people entering into marriages uh, that are not scriptural regardless of their intent or their understanding. Um, I think Ezra ten uh, plays to this as well with regard to you know the exiles in their return. Uh, recognize that they were married they were married to people they didn't have a right to be married to now they were guilty before they recognized their you know before Ezra stood up and read the law they were still guilty even prior even prior to being uh, uh being brought into a proper understanding of their situation yeah and so I think you know and Goes back to what you said earlier about being extremely careful about about who you marry because if that person you know if that person is lying, that person is lying, or you know, or that person, listen, they may believe they have a Matthew nineteen nine divorce and they don't. Yeah, you know, you can, you know, you can. I say you people can bring other individuals into their own sins and you know and implicate them in their and involve them. In their own sins, even even if that individual is uh, uh, has the right intent, uh, thinks they're in the right, um, you know, but you know the text, you know those texts in the Old Testament, I think are, are helpful to help us understand that just because I commit a sin in ignorance doesn't mean doesn't mean I'm I'm not liable for it. Well, that's why we are to yeah. uh, walk circumspectly, 
not as fools, but as but wise, wise. Yep. understanding what the will of the Lord is. And, yep. you know, the, the thing I'll, I'll match you here. I don't know if it's one up, but I'll, I was sitting in my office and I told a couple that was, that began to attend where I was preaching. I said, y'all got to, y'all got to meet with me. Well, this woman was on her third husband and the man was on his second. So the, the second wife. So this woman was the man's second wife. He'd been divorced before. And I just sat them down and I said, um, tell me about your divorce. And Todd had to dip out the guy to, to work on his houses here. Oh, sorry. I, I was telling everybody why you left. Evidently I was wrong. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the woman was like, well, my first husband, I had to divorce him because he was caught up in some illegal activities and the district attorney or the, the, his lawyer, the district attorney was going to prosecute everybody that was involved. And she said, and I didn't, I didn't understand this because I thought spouses had some kind of special privilege, but Tony, district, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I look like I'm locked out, locked out. Yeah. Screens are froze running can you hear me can you hear us can anybody hear us i can hear you tony todd can you leave and come back well hold on you want to message him Okay, he gave me a thumbs up. Okay, Danny Minner says, I hear. I see. And, and I could hear Todd as well. Angie B yeah. says, I hear all of you. Yeah. It was it was like Todd. It only affected him. He couldn't yeah. hear us. All right. Are, are you there? Yeah. My, uh, somebody tried to call me, and everything just went haywire. Okay. okay. Well, now, now you know how to deal with that. I, I can put my phone on, on airplane mode, right? Don't get me to line. I don't know. I wouldn't. I mean, do you, that. you, I, I know you can. I don't mm-hmm. know what it's going to. Well, maybe, maybe somebody won't call me back. <laughs> sure enough. All right. Check so, and say, leave me alone for right now, please. I, I, I didn't verify what this woman said to be true. I just took her at her word. She said that she had to divorce him because she's going to be implicated in his crimes. And I said, so he was drug, money, laundering, whatever. I said, so did he, did he cheat on you? Did he, did he, did he also mess around with a bunch of wild women? She said, no, he was, he was faithful to me in our marriage. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, I get it. But, and then the, the, the fellow she's married to said, um, well, I put my first wife, I put my wife away, my first wife, because she did cheat on me. She met somebody at work. She started shacking up with him. And that's when she started shacking up with him when I moved, when I put her away, when I divorced her is what he said. I said, okay. So then we had a study of Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter five, you know, the, the verses I said, do y'all understand this? And he goes, well, I understand what, what the scripture's saying there. I said, well, do you understand that y'all don't have any right to be married? And you understand that if you remain married in this situation, that you are choosing your current 
state of being and happiness over an eternity with God. Are you okay with that? And that woman deadpan looked me in the eyes and said, I am. Ooh. I, I think she was just trying to unnerve me, but yeah, you know, it, 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 it worked. I'm like, Ugh. it would have worked on me. Yeah. And, um, she said, then he said, well, when you put it like that, it sounds really bad, but <laughs> here's what I think is going to happen. According to God's word, it is really bad. <laughs> exactly. He said, here's what I think is going to happen. We're going to die and we're going to be standing outside the pearly gates. <laughs> I'm sorry. That just and he said, I think Peter's going to look at me and say, you know what? You really shouldn't have done that. But God wants you to be happy. So oh, come on in. Note that down, dude, on my notes coming into the show. God yes. wants be happy. Now, the reason I told that story is I am convinced that he had a right to remarry. Yeah, that's right. And even if he divorced, even again, not divorce in the eyes of God. We're talking about the state. All right? If he dissolved that union in the eyes of the state, there was never a union between him and that woman. That's the oneness principle. He's still free. Just because you sign a piece of paper with a government doesn't make you married. God has to make you married. That's the oneness principle. Yes. God never made them one. That's yeah. it. Yep, they never, they were never one. Whatever God has joined together, let, let no man, man put asunder. Yeah, not whatever man has joined, whatever God has joined. Is it God joined or not? Well, that's it. You got to know God's rule book. Principal brother, get you out of a lot of fixes. I guarantee it. Well, the so before the show, I wanted to try to boil this one question down or this, con this, 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 um, this this request down to one succinct question. There is one question. Can a person be ignorantly married? Well, no. No more than you can be ignorantly saved. However, if you stand before God in witnesses and allow an, and, and take vows and allow an officiate to pronounce you man and wife, all things considered and all things being as they should, you're married. Or you go to the courthouse and say, we want to be married. And you get a piece of paper. Yeah. I mean. Well, you still have to. You have, still have to. It has to be witnesses before God and witnesses at the courthouse. I don't know. I guess it does. I don't. I've never. Yeah. When, when the justice of the peace of the courthouse marries you, there has to be a witness to that official. That, to that, to that. Common law marriage is an exception to that. Well, sure. But I, does God recognize common law marriage? I do not believe that he does. Well, let me ask you this. What have we always said about marriage? We, well, always, it, it, we said that marriage, if it if it meets God's criteria and man's criteria, in other words, if it's legal, if it's right in the eyes of God and legal in the eyes of man, right? Well, yeah, get on getting on the same page. All things considered, yes. But if if you've got a man and a woman that have set themselves forth to live together, and say, well, I don't want to be married, but we're going to live together and we're shacking up. It doesn't matter how long they live together. They're not married, even if the state says they're married. And that's, well, that's not common law marriage law in any state anyway. Yeah. There's, there's no length of cohabiting. There's no length of cohabiting that makes you married. But 
up until 2017 in the state of Alabama, if two people wanted to be married and declared themselves as married, they didn't need a marriage license or anything at the courthouse. And God, and I believe God recognizes that marriage because the state of Alabama recognizes it. Well, that, that's the ticket, right? They yeah. declared themselves to be married. That's why cohabiting never constitutes marriage in any state. Of course, now Alabama got rid of that law in 2007. Yeah. But there's still about seven or eight states that uh, recognize common law marriage. But there, there are a number of things that have to be done uh, as a public declaration of marriage. <laughs> but by the way, if you got common law married in the state of Alabama, you still had to go through the courts to get divorced. Yeah. And 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 with the law of reciprocity with between the fifty states, if you move to uh, Tennessee, you're still married. That's right. If you come, so, along, yeah, Alabama, you're still married in Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee well, didn't come along marriage. Yeah, that 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 illustrates getting your getting your terms think, agreed upon. You know, I think if people want and intend to be married, so long as it doesn't violate God's will, they're married. That's I mean, right. I, I, you know, I, I, obviously, uh, someone can't coerce or, or force. You know. You know, I required this person to live. Well, that's that's not marriage. You know, I required them to live with me or perform certain duties and that kind of. That's, but if both parties want, you know, want to be husband and wife and they treat each other that way, that I mean, that's the basis of marriage: a man and a woman coming together to perform functions for each other. <laughs> there was a question about people that didn't understand God's intent. For, if they didn't understand God's intent for marriage, does that make them married? And, and the answer to that question is yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, um, like what if like, what if two people were married and they didn't know, well, Ephesians five, the man's supposed to love her as Christ loved the church. Well, there's, there's still, God still says you guys are married. Y'all, right. you know? Yeah. So, so listen, and, and Jason Goldtrap, you've got some comments buried that, even if Todd has to leave in a minute, I want to bring these comments up because they're good comments. They're good scenarios. Say again. I said I've got to get out. All right. Let, let get, give us give us one minute because I, I want to I want to bounce this on you. Okay. Um, in Numbers chapter thirty, beginning in verse three, all the way to verse sixteen, is law for when somebody makes a vow but is not authority in authority to make a vow. If a woman also vow a vow unto the Lord and bind herself by a bond, having her father's house in her father's house and her youth and her father hear her vow and her bond wherewith she hath bound her soul and her father shall hold his peace at her, then all her vows shall stand and every bond wherewith she hath bound her soul shall stand. But if her father disallow her in the day where he heareth, not any of her vows or her bonds wherewith she hath bound her soul shall stand. Again, I don't go to the Old Testament to find authority for the new covenant. But I think this helps us with the nature of vows and what God thinks about them. If, if, if my daughter who lives in my, in my house If she wants to vow, and I say, no, honey, you can't do that, she's not bound. But once she becomes of age and she is no longer under my house and she vows and she's on her own, then, then it falls into let your yes be yes and your nay be nay. If, if you've got a 16-year-old girl 
and a 17-year-old boy, and she's a runaway, and they go and get married and sign a declaration and all that. I think as the daddy, I can come and I can knock some sense into both of them, and I can tell them, look, you're not married because I didn't allow it. You're still my daughter, and you don't have the authority to, to make any kind of vow. You don't have the authority to sign your on the dotted line to buy a house or a truck. You don't have the authority to do anything, much less get married. You're a kid. Yes. <laughs> I mean. So, again, I think there's something to consider there. I, I mean, I've known of people that were pretty young. I don't know. And they got married real quick. And then a week later, they weren't married. It's like, did they even go about that the right way? Did they talk to their parents? Did they did they right. actually intend to be husband and wife till death do them part or anything? I mean, I I don't you know. Yeah. Well, I, Todd's got to go. Todd, close 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 this segment of the show out about this and give us some thoughts about the commenter, the questions you feel like he's asking and. See if and, we can and Todd, answer if you, if you don't you mind, I know I hope I'm not putting too much on you. Do you mind just like connecting that in with how, you know, how what we can we be ignorant about the purpose of baptism yeah, and that, just that, get our bodies immersed in water and then we're okay? How does was, all this line that was up? A question about I think I think there was a connection in the original question because I know Tony and I discussed that uh, uh, in the last week. Um, you're talking about even even though the symbolism is the same between a, a wedding or a marriage and baptism, um, we're, we're really we're still we're not talking about we're not talking about the same thing. Even though the pictures are the same, um, uh, a person a person can a, a person can be married without knowing God's plan. For marriage, but a person cannot obey the gospel without knowing God's plan to save him from sin. And so I think that's the primary distinction that that is that is under consideration that you a person can be baptized. And when I say baptized, I mean immersed. I mean I'm not talking about sprinkling and pouring, which are obviously not baptism under any circumstances. But a person can still be immersed without a proper understanding of the gospel. Uh, they can be immersed thinking they're already saved. They can be immersed thinking that they have to speak in tongues. They can be immersed by proxy. And none of those things are going to count because it, because baptism is an act of faith, Colossians 2, 11 and 12. That there, there has to be a proper understanding of the gospel. There has to be the proper understanding of what takes place in the obedience of faith and and those things are those things are different than than a person entering in you know into marriage that you don't have you don't have again you don't have to know god's law for marriage to be joined by god in marriage but you do have to know god's plan for the gospel in order to be joined to christ through the gospel yeah and glenn collie actually answered this in a in a session uh, for elders at polishing the pulpit. And he talked about how difficult it was because there's just, he said, there's sometimes you hear something that in the beginning, it's like, well, that just, that's wrong somehow, but I don't know how. So it's a specious mm -hmm. argument. 
Um, because if a, an eight year old kid is baptized, but yet he doesn't know what's going on. We don't consider him under the covenant like we are. Right. Okay. That being said, then if a young woman is married to a man and she's too young to understand marriage, shouldn't we allow them to get out of that marriage because she didn't understand the covenant? And Glenn Colley made a very brilliant point, I think. And I'm not, I'm not sure to what degree I would co-sign, but it, it makes enough sense that I don't think I could immediately shoot it down and, and may adopt it full force. Sure, but you got to make these things exact. Because with the marriage, what do we think? Well, we're going to we're going to let this kid out of this marriage, but then we're going to let him marry somebody else in the future. Or if you make the two scenarios the same, just like we let the kid out of being a quote-unquote covenant Christian later on in his life, if he wants to be a covenant Christian, he's going to be in other words, he's getting married to the same person. So the kid that if we say, well, y'all were too young to get married, so we're going we're gonna to separate y'all until you mature some, well, you got to put them back with the same person in order for that scenario to be equal. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't know what that proves. Yeah, and I don't know if I agree with it, but I see what consistency. But at least, yeah, yeah it, at least, it at least makes the two scenarios equal. alike. Carl, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, what do you think, Todd? I think you guys need to just solve the rest of them. That'll work. <laughs> I, 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 I may need to holler at Glenn Colley again, or at least go back to, because uh, I remember what year, and I can find the recording. So I, I'd like to hear him answer that again. I should have probably did that for this podcast. But anyway. Where was uh, it? Just for the sake of the audience, where was, where was the statement made and what year? So uh, there, are some, there were special uh, sessions for elders. And what would happen is we would have these breakout sessions where we would get in small groups. Yeah. Polishing the pulpit. Um, the problem, I can't remember. I want to say it was 2016. I do not think it was 2017, but it could have been. Okay. 2016, 2017. All right. Good deal. Cause I've got, I've got 365. I can go back and see if I can, and and I don't, but I don't, I don't know if those breakout sessions are on, are on. The, they, they are the, okay. whatever year that this, that I was there, they were, because I remember I listened to it. Okay. Good. I deal. say that, wait a second. I, I'm, they were on the flash drive. <laughs> okay. I've got that too. So, okay. Yeah. So I don't know if they're on 365, but they were on the flash drive because I listened to it. All right. Good deal. All right, brother. I hey, love you guys. Thank you for letting yeah. me back on. Yeah. Love you too, God. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks, Todd, for being on. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We're going to give you about another 20 minutes or so, uh, and I want to deal. Aaron, that just sounds like I'm I'm throwing the gun. I'm going to deal with Jason Goldtrap. <laughs> deal. Let's address, going, it. address it. Address it. That, even that sounds kind address. of let's, uh, adversarial. Let's consider. Let's... We're going to consider Jason Goldtrap's question. Yeah. Jason, we're going to deal with you. How about, how about, how about take up? We're going to take up his question here and that'll that work. sound That'll a little work. less abrasive. Anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> My wife left me 
She just didn't want to be married anymore. I still love her, and I would take her back in a heartbeat. She she wants nothing to do with me. Can I remarry? Brother, we don't have enough information. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. We just don't have enough information. We would have to know way more details, I think. Um, but if, 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 if she left you, both of y'all are still unmarried. Um, if, if what has she done since then, yeah. that, that would be one of my concerns. And what have, what have you done? You what know, have, have you, done? Have, have you commit, don't answer this. <laughs> not, not, not that I don't want to know more about you. I just, I don't want you to answer this because don't answer it in a live stream like this. <laughs> yeah. Don't answer the live stream. Yeah. But have you committed fornication? Has she committed fornication? What grounds would you put her away? Because if if you if you if you did not put her away for fornication, then you have no right to remarry. Yeah. If you if 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 you just divorced because she's gone and legally you had to dissolve the marriage in the eyes of the state, you're still married in the eyes of God. Yeah. Reconcile with her if if she will. And if she's shacking up with somebody, if, yeah, if you know she's lived a life of fornication yeah. or even committed fornication once, yeah. I mean, yeah, well, go, I, I wouldn't I, go to her and say, "Hey, I know you committed fornication seven years ago, so I'm putting you away for fornication yeah. now." My suggestion is go to her and say, "Look, you know, I want to be reconciled to you, yeah, and whatever, whatever, whatever road we need to go down, yeah." yeah. Um, I know you've committed fornication, but I'm willing to forgive you for that. Yep. But yeah, but she says you saying that because I mean yeah. he said he says I still love her and I'd take her back in right. heartbeat. I mean that's right. If, but it, but if she says, well, I don't care and and I'm not currently involved with anybody, but if I get involved with somebody again, I may marry him, I may commit fornication. You know, then then I think you would be well within scripture to say, well, listen, if if you if that's your attitude, then I'm going to go ahead and make it official. And I'm I'm going to put you away for fornication. And I know I've already I know we've already dissolved the marriage in the eyes of the state, but I'm going to make a public statement at the congregation where I attend, and it's going to be public that, that they know that we've done this. I don't know. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah. I do struggle with the idea of, you know, was it ten years ago she committed, you've been separated ten years and but you're still married according to God's law. She committed fornication once, you know, ten years ago, but now she hasn't. Can I put her away now? I struggle with that. You know, I, yeah. Because well, you don't want to play games with God like, yeah, now I can get remarried. And I, like, I, mean, I don't know. Go, go back to Brandon Myers' comment. Oneness, and am I trying to fool God? Yeah, exactly. And like his comment says, he still loves her. Yeah. I think your suggestion is good. Well, maybe you seriously consider going to her and trying to get your marriage back to where it needs to be. Yes. Um, if your spouse cheats on you, you don't have to divorce. If they repent, you can forgive them. You don't have to divorce. True. It is true. Um, ben Grady had one that Dan, Danny Mentor, anything done by force would not be punished as free will disobedience. I am I'm trying to find Ben's comment where he talks about that. Uh, cause there was a word he used, uh, coercion. Okay. Uh, there's been I'm so many behind comments on the comments. I know I'm, I'm I know trying what... to just look through them too. Oh, right here. All right. One of you mentioned someone under force. 
would God recognize a marriage where someone was forced under some type of force? In other words, threat or some coercion. This is the problem with, with coercion, okay? The legal the, the, the legal threshold for, for coercion is, quite frankly, it's very low. Um, would that meet God's threshold? That's where it gets real, real scary, and you would have to go on a case-by-case basis. Yeah, we all coerce each other to a certain degree. I, I guess sure, you it argue. doesn't meet the legal threshold, <laughs> right. but, but yeah. Um, so he, here's what I would think about that. Obviously, what, like what Danny Minter said is absolutely true. Anything done by force, and I would I would semantically load that word force because, you know, what do you mean force? Like I can say, well, if you don't marry me, I'm going to okay. break up with you. Well, that's coercion and force, folks. Or that's also manipulation. About, yeah, manipulation. Or are we talking about you put a gun and say, if you don't marry me, I'm going to kill you. Yes. I mean, well, what degree of force are we talking about? Right. So if, if let's say that you're kidnapped and you're brought to a foreign country where you don't speak the language, you don't have a work permit, you don't have anything. And they, you know, you have people come in in the middle of the night, snatch you up, bathe you, clean you, groom you, and dress you up, and they stand you before a man dressed in priestly habits, and here comes a stranger, and they say, well, now y'all are going to get married, and you got two mm-hmm. choices. Die. Or get married. Or get married. Quote, unquote. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? And incidentally, I, I, yeah, I don't think that person's married in the eyes of God. I, well, <laughs> they forced. And, I mean, I, like that. I don't quote unquote think either. However, a vow is very powerful. Mm-hmm. So if you vow to love, honor, cherish sickness and health, better for poor, better or worse, rich or poor, if you make that vow. And, and and you're, I don't know, man, I, I can see where somebody might say, look, you got, you, you know, I mean, it's a really terrible situation, but if you make a vow, you got to keep your vow because your, your if, choice is make if, the vow or die. What if no vows were really made? They just said, you're my wife and they go to the courthouse and say, I've never been to the court. I don't know what they, do they make right. them say things to each other? I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, they they you you still vow. I mean, you don't just yeah. go and say we want to get married. Now, okay, sign on the dotted line. Here's your stamp. You're married. It's a little yeah, more I, than I, that. I, I don't right. know. I'm sorry. I don't. I'm not trying to. No, I get you. But again, it, it's one of those things, man. I'd it'd have to be a case by case basis because yeah, yeah. While I, I can see, I can see why someone would say they're not married. I can see why someone would say they were. Yeah. Um. But again. That that's why I mean th- those are extreme circumstances, yeah. And that's not what you know. Ninety nine point nine nine percent of the people, yeah. I'm thinking of a scenario where you can't walk away. And here's the thing: you can always walk away. It's just going to kill you. Yeah. Like you'll just die. Yeah. But you you can apply that well. You know what is somebody. Would you, would somebody at a question and answer, some kid asked Michael Knowles, a devout Catholic, um, would you fillet a man if it saved the entire world? His answer was no. Because there's no gradient nature, or there, there's no, uh, 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 
oh, I can't think of the, the actual phrase now. Um, but there, there's no such thing as situational ethics, but that's not what that's called. It's yeah. morality. And I can't remember the, I, I, like, I, like I deep dive this. Yeah. yeah. I, I deep dive this whenever we're talking about Jews in the attic. Yeah. 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 So like I said, you know, if you, again, what another thing, the apostles were threatened with death for preaching. If they uh, did not stop just because of it, if you have a choice, you're bound by your decision. Yeah, and you always have a choice, and your choice is, I'm going to make you kill me. Yeah. So if if the government comes and says, uh, if you don't deny Christ, we're going to chop your head off. Is God going to hold it against you if you deny Christ? Well, Peter said, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready to give every man an answer uh, for the hope that is in you with a reason uh, uh, for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Yep. You know, yeah. Get your ax out, swing away. Yep. Yeah. To deny Christ is never right. <laughs> right. So Probably again, it, it's to look at that, like in a wedding vow, I vowed to be married to this person. Is, is God going to, is God going to, is God going to let me lie in order to save my life, I think I've I think I've I think I have answered that. Uh, I think I've cemented that in my mind. It's never right to do wrong. That's it. Hey, did you see Terry Crooks's comment? It wasn't a question, but it was somewhere. Uh, I can put it on there. Yeah, you got it. Put it on there. Yeah. Oh, once had a roommate who divorced her husband and married a man. This guy was all about helping her stay in the country. Once she had her papers sorted, she dumped the second guy and went back to the original husband. I told her it was wrong, but she swore she never even shared a bed with the second dude. Yeah. Oh, I remember we did. We did talk okay. about that. Okay. I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. You're married whether or not you quote unquote consummate the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's like good, people, good. Don't, people don't need to be treating marriage like that. I'm just going to get married real quick anyway. That, that's I know. the thing that comes to my mind. So there are people though that they quote unquote get married to get somebody in the country and stuff like that. That's not. That's not good. No, it ain't. Again, and that's taking a vow lightly. That's why James, you know, let your yes be yes, yes your no be no. Don't don't vow lest you become a yeah. condemned. And the word condemned right. is, is hypocrite. Right. If you make a vow, buddy, you got to keep your vow. Unless yeah. you're not in authority to make the vow, in which case you're 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 let you're let go of it. You know, like that coercion thing, again, like if someone actually did it, and God would know, you can't fool God. They actually oh, yeah. coerced you. Like, And sometimes people enter into relationships because they're not, already, they enter into bad relationships because they're, they're already not serving God as God wants them to. And so like next thing you know, they're on a date and they're drinking alcohol and, you know. Yeah. And, and the person, the man went into it for this purpose, that, you know, to, to to get her in bed, and some would go even further to get married. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. They wake up. The, the woman wakes up the next day, going, "What in the world did I do? Is that yeah. under coercion? That I don't know if that constitutes an actual marriage. I don't know. That's yeah. Like, well, like people that in in the movies, they go to Vegas and they have a three day bender, and they come back and they look down like, "What? I've got a <laughs> wedding ring on. How did I get a wedding ring on?" Yeah. And then they they look in their bag that's packed and it's got a marriage license and they they were married. 
Yeah. Does God honor that? I'm going to tell you, man, my suggestion is don't do stupid stuff. I mine too. Don't go to, don't do that. Cause don't, cause vows are important. On the other hand, I don't think just like being against your will, you're married, you know, yeah. I don't, but. Um, really quick, couple of things. And then we probably need to wrap this up. Uh, I like being, you know, being, you know, to live is Christ to die is gain. Yep. That's the commitment and risk you've committed to take if you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. And and we are not used to to dealing with that at all. Yep. Not 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 in mo- not in modernity. Yeah. And then when Jesus was questioned before his death, he didn't always answer. If you have to if you give no consent, then you're not judged by it. Yeah. And again, it may be that you're standing there with that guy and they're trying to make you take this vow. If you just keep your mouth shut, probably he's going to say, well, pronounce this man and wife were married. And you may be in such a terrible situation where I'm, I'm not going to get into it. We're all adults here. Understand what I'm talking about. But you're not married. You haven't violated a vow. I think that's, again, that it's, you're, you're going to live in a particular kind of hell on earth. Did, okay, I may have confused myself, but set me straight here. Did we answer the question that Terry Crooks did ask? It was in another message where at the end she asked, what can I say to her? Did you address that one already? Because there was another no. message. Okay, I'll put that one up there. I want to because she may, have, she may have thought we were addressing that, and I was addressing, I was addressing a real old message or, you know, but my friend met a guy who promised to marry her after he knew her, quote unquote. Later on, she found out he's already married. Yeah. She was devastated, eventually messed up the courage when I repeatedly told her about God's law. She vowed never to date a man again, feeling upset about upsetting God. She thinks she is no longer allowed to be happy and married because she was fooled into adultery. What can I say to her? Uh, follow the Bible. That's the problem. Okay, unless I'm misunderstanding something here, I think what Todd said earlier is what God's Word teaches. Everyone has the right to a scriptural marriage. I mean, if she if she got lied to, she didn't know. She found that the guy had been married before, and he didn't have the right to be married to her. Yeah. Can she not put the guy away? I believe she can. She can well, put yeah, the guy. And, and she wouldn't even have to put him away. She all she has to do is dissolve that with the state. Yeah, God it. never God never right. bound no, her to that no. person. Right. So yeah, the phrase "put away" is. But about God, yeah, fornication. Yeah, so she could dissolve that and marry someone scripturally. Yeah. Uh, it is graded absolutism. And the, 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 the word moral was throwing me off. It, uh, it, there's situational ethics and there's graded absolutism. The idea of graded as, absolutism is there is an absolute moral authority, but as human beings, we get to decide the hierarchy. And like lying is not as bad as murder. Therefore, I can lie to keep someone from being murdered, which is in clear violation of Romans 3. We cannot do evil that good may come. No. And did we already Uh, answer this one too, Scott Beck? Does God honor annulments? You did talk about that, didn't you? We did not talk about that. Okay. See, that's... Um, Because I I, honestly, it depends. If God joins you together, you cannot annul a marriage. Right. So did God join you together? Right. Exactly. Now, I had a man sit in my office, Aaron, and he said, um, 
I believe I'm married to my wife, but there are people that don't believe that I'm married to my wife. I said, why? He said, because I've been married before and we got an annulment. And I'm like, oh, no. And I said, well, this is why you have to have more of a conversation. I said, well, tell me about that. He said, well, and when I was in the Air Force and just starting out, I married this girl. And turns out uh, we'd been married. We hadn't been married but for like two weeks. And she would go to the officer's quarters, and the officers would take turns with her. It's like. I was like, Okay. You put her away. You, God yeah, releases you. God really God yeah. you have the right to put her away yeah. and marry another. I don't yeah. care if you call it an annulment or I don't <laughs> care if you call it a divorce. Yeah. And there were some reasons why they decided to annul as opposed to divorce. It was because of she had some pull with some higher ups. But then there was a fella in Jonesboro, Aaron, that that we were talking to. And he he was in his twenties. He said, I'm just gonna have to live as a eunuch for the rest of my life. And I was like, why? Well, because I put my wife away and I didn't divorce her because of fornication. Well, two or three weeks later, I, I, I was just like, we were eating at, at Fazoli's. And I was like, well, tell me why. Tell me the reason. He said, well, I, I had to divorce her for irreconcilable differences. Well, what was the? What were the differences you couldn't reconcile? I worked second shift. And every time I left Friday afternoon, uh, my best friend would come over and they'd have sex all afternoon. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely irreconcilable. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's fornication. But that's... he's he was thinking that you had to put fornication on, on the, the divorce paper. paper. Yeah, bless it. Yeah, and he was going to he had resigned himself to live as a eunuch for the rest of his life. Yeah, well, Jason Goldtrap, the, <laughs> the gospel liberated him. I hope ain't that the truth? Uh, the Princess Bride. Do you remember Buttercup? being married to the uh, Prince Humperdinck and you have the uh, my wage. My wage no. is what brings us together today. No, I don't remember that. Well, you need, Aaron, you I've ain't seen lived. some of I, that. I bet, you, I bet you go to a five-star restaurant and order chicken tenders. <laughs> I tell you, you got to grow up, man. Get, get culture. Get out there and see these movies. I think I've seen it. I think I have. Isn't that a real feminine-like movie? Aaron, I'm... all right, so we're going to finish the show out without Aaron. All right, no. So, anyway, man and wife, man and wife. So, after, and, and that's what Prince Humperdinck was telling the guy. So, that they, and so, so whenever uh, she finds her true love, Wesley, she was, she was like, I'm so bad. I'm so sorry. I'm already married to somebody. And she said, did you say, right there, did you say I do? And she said, no, I never said I do. Well, then it didn't happen. You didn't consent. Like you, No vows were made. You didn't agree to this. Yeah. You didn't say I do. It didn't happen. Yeah. You need to watch. Look, your daughter, would, it, it, trust I, me, I'm it's not a feminine movie. Okay. I'm trying to remember if I've seen that. I, I guess I haven't. I thought the title does sound, I mean, I've heard of the title. Let me watch it and go, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Like Rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. <laughs> yeah. All right. You got a good memory. I mean, I watched that movie 
multiple times. Oh, man. Okay. It's, it's a wonderful movie. Okay. All right. So, uh, in fact, um, Count Rugen, he's Prince Humperdinck's right-hand man. Count Rugen has a first name. It's only said one time in the entire movie. <laughs> no more rhymes now I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> Oh, y'all got to stop because I got to watch this thing. We'll come back right. and have a show on it. <laughs> All right. Uh, let, yeah, let's get. So he, here's the thing. With, with, with the original commenter, honestly, this thing, it was so multi-layered. I don't know the exact question. I, I guess I'm just going to read it. Can a person be ignorantly married? The explanation. A person cannot be ignorantly baptized for a baptism to be scriptural baptism. The person must have a pre-existing faith in and knowledge of baptism, uh, baptism's connection to Jesus and forgiveness. We don't call swimmers in the ocean as baptized, nor do we call infants or denominational baptisms as being actually baptized. They just get wet. Now, the connection to the married question, as the conversation went, if a person entered in, enters into a marriage ignorant of God's role in marriage, can they be considered to be scripturally married? Well, the answer to that is yes. Yeah, we addressed that, and Todd yeah. said, though there are similarities um, between marriage and, well, and, and, yeah. and and the church and Christians, they're not they're not equal and parallel. Yeah, like and and you can be married not only being ignorant of God's role in marriage, you can be married being ignorant of God and Christianity and in in open opposition to their existence. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because atheists get married all the time. Because Hindus get married. Because Muslims get married. Because, you know, um, oops, wrong one. So we cannot, so a person, biblically, God has not, equaled this like the knowledge that's necessary to be married and approved by him to be married and right and the knowledge that is necessary to become a Christian. That's that's not right. a parallel. Right. Terry Crook says, I got your answer. I do not remember what we were answering. I hope we did it okay. No, we did the question and she did type it again, but I think maybe she typed it again a few minutes ago because there was a typo. Oh. But we answered the question where if someone is married, someone gets married and they realize that person's been married before and they realize oh, that yeah. they don't have the right to be married to them. Yeah, she they've said, never been I, bound. They've never been bound by God because the person was previously married and we're assuming that that was, he did not have the right to remarry. You know? Correct. And if that's the case, then you know you can say to her, well, God allows you to be, you know, everybody to be scripturally married at least once, you know, and she just needs right. to dissolve that, get out of that, and then. Yes. Now, back to this question. There's a sentence here. No promise to God was made. You do not have to make a promise to God to get married. They were married in ignorance of the scriptural definition of marriage. There, has, there, there doesn't need to be a scriptural definition of marriage. Marriage transcends the scriptures. Marriage transcends any covenant. Yeah, it is a covenant unto itself. It is its own institution. Yeah. All right. So, it's the but they but the same as a denominational baptism, the same as the homosexual marriage not being a scriptural marriage. Um, now, 
The greater context of the conversation I was in, as you can imagine, marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Now, I stand with Scripture the same as you on the topic, but this was the first conversation that actually gave me a pause, and I had to scratch my head and think on it. Obviously, a Christian who enters into marriage has no excuse. But what about a person who entered into marriage ignorant of God's design for marriage? That person has no excuse either. No. But has now learned the truth and is seeking to either marry the same person for the right reason, separate, I say separate, to maintain the presumed context. It would not even be considered a divorce because there was no marriage in the first place from that person or for whatever reason, but with the ultimate goal of entering into a knowing scriptural marriage. So that would mean then if two atheists are married, when one becomes a Christian and learns about the scriptural marriage, then they could divorce or separate and marry somebody else because the, the, the assumption is God is not going to bind two people together unless they're script, unless they're, uh, unless they're Christians and understand the new Testament. That's not true. Uh, I've talked to one other person about this, and their stance was that that a government-recognized marriage is still a marriage. I think that's specious. I, I, I think that, I mean, here's the thing. The government might not recognize my marriage. Yeah. If my marriage is recognized by God, then it doesn't matter whether or not the government recognizes it. Yeah. Um, now, that, that opens up to some liability theologically. Like, you got to be careful with that. But as a, just a general rule of thumb, um, if, if me and my wife, uh, get married and then the government comes along and says, well, people with this particular bloodline are no, no longer eligible for marriage in the eyes of the state. You're still bound in God's eyes. I'm still bound in God's eyes. So, um, I talked with one other person about this and their stance was that a government recognized marriage is still marriage and we must obey man's law. I can see what he was getting at, but we don't apply that reasoning to homosexual marriages. Well, that's because that deviates. That, that's where that's where scripture and government deviate. Yeah. If in man's eyes the homosexual could divorce the spouse, but in God's eyes he was never married in the first place. That's actually true. I think that's just dirt that muddies the water. Yeah. He said again, I'm not stating my conclusions on this honestly because I don't have a hundred percent answer yet that I would preach from the pulpit, which is why I'd like to hear your thoughts. If you have room in your show schedule, can you uh, read and see if you can understand the heart of what he is? Oh, sorry. I, I sent this. When I sent this, I sent it to God. Can you read this and see if you can understand the heart of what he is asking? He is a friend and a supporter of the show, and I yeah. trust that he does not have ulterior and nefarious motives. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I think those are really good questions, and those are circumstances and questions that we deal with, you know. Absolutely. If you're shipwrecked with the opposite sex and no one is around, and you both have the right to marry. If you say to each other that you're taking them as a spouse, then you're bound, even if you're rescued in the future. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, didn't Braveheart have a situation kind of like that? Well, briefly. I I I I don't. I don't think so. I think I Braveheart. Don't. He took his wife. But the problem is the nobleman came and, and exercised the right of prima nocta and or prima nupta, not nocta, that's night, nupta, nuptial. <laughs> prima nupta, I believe. Anyway, which which it never was practiced. I mean, it was just something they had the right to do. But anyway, 
Um, but I don't know, Ben. I don't know what you're talking about, but it, yeah. it, it could be. I don't know. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. God's law is binding on those who don't know it or are ignorant of it. That's absolutely true. And Scott Beck says, you brothers did a great job of handling our own slot of questions today. Well, I appreciate that. And we thank and, you, I mean, Scott, we're, we're for your not, questions. Yeah, and, and the three of us are not perfectly aligned on all the fringes of this. That's the thing. But what we do know is the golden standard is one man, one woman for life. Mm-hmm. And a deviation of that puts you in a particular kind of hell on earth. Mm-hmm. I go all the way back to Genesis 4. If you do well, will it not be accepted of thee? And if you do not well, then sin lieth at the door, and under thee shall be his desire. And thou shalt rule over him. And, well, if, if, if you violate the one man, one woman for life, you're, 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 you're going to enter into a copulative relationship with sin, the progeny of which is death and chaos. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. We appreciate all the questions, uh, Scott. Absolutely. It really I mean, it makes, makes the podcast. Makes for, it does. It makes for a great show and makes us dig into God's word more. And I just, I love it. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. But the princess was married to a home. Hold on a second. Oh, yes. That Okay. In the movie Braveheart, yes. The, the princess was married to a homosexual and she slept with him and bore a child with him. William, William Wallace, that is. Okay. That's what Ben was talking about. I remember that part of the show now. Um, yeah, so again, just because that that princess and that man, she, the prince she was married to, they were married regardless of his sexual desires and okay. regardless of whether or not they ever slept together. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. if they got married, they're married. Yeah. But, you know. That's it. That's the thing. God, there, God, you know, if they're if it's proved by God, they are. You know, there are three things to consider in any conversation about what if in marriage, divorce, and marriage. Who is the only person that can join two people together? God. Who is the person that cannot join two people together, or separate to, or or dissolve the bond between two people? Who is the only person who can dissolve the bond from two people? Well, that's God. God right. is the only one that can join or dissolve. Yep. Man cannot join or dissolve. Yep. Man can only follow God's rules, yep. regardless of whether or not he agrees with them and regardless of whether or not he, he acknowledges their existence. Yep. Yeah, because marriage is not an act to be saved. That's not an act to be right with God. It is not equivalent to the fact that we must know who Jesus is and what he's done and what he requires in order to that's be right. a Christian correctly. That's that there's not equivalent. That was a that was a lot of the that was a good bit of the question, I think, the original question. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 to to this person here, can can a can a person be ignorantly married? Well, that that question in and of itself does not match the subsequent context and explanation. Yeah. The answer is no, a person cannot be ignorantly married, but we're not talking about somebody in the, in the following context about someone who was ignorantly married. Yeah. 
we were talking about someone who was married consensually, but was ignorant of God and the purpose of marriage. Yeah. You're still married. You're right. Yep. All right. Yep. Aaron, do you want to say anything to close us out? I think you hit this already earlier, but I'll just say it again. I think this, all this just is teaching us, number one, take God's word seriously and obey it. And number two, teach it to other people, like help people out on the front end. You know, just take it serious from the get-go. That's why That's why it's, you know, overall you're much better off marrying someone who's serious about serving God. They they could still fall away and, you know, become an atheist if they so chose. But you just, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's being careless when you knowingly marry someone who doesn't care about serving God, you know. That's just being careless. I mean, make better and wiser decisions. And the way we can help people is by teaching young people that, teaching young people, find somebody that wants to serve God, you know, that wants to obey God's word, that wants to, you know, follow God's word for marriage. And That's it. You know. Which, guess what? If you're going to date somebody, Better date a Christian. Yep. Yep. And and man, saying you, that you marry who you date. That's it. And um, people come out of the woodwork. Well, my, you know, I, I married my husband. He was a heathen, but ten years in our marriage, he got saved, and he's an elder in the Lord's church now. Well, good for you. Yeah. You beat the odds. Yeah. But do we teach young people that the goal of marriage is to beat the odds? That the right. goal of marriage is an evangelism project. I mean, right. I, I just, you know, I, I agree. I'm thankful that person became a Christian later and is an elder now. But but let me tell you, th these two things have the same energy. I married a woman who wasn't a Christian. She was a heathen. And 10 years into the marriage, she converted to Christianity. And now I have a wonderful, loving Christian spouse. And we're rearing our children the way God intended us to be reared. And they see an, a, 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 a full front. So I think it's a good thing. Okay. Listen, you, you, what you need to do is you need to protect your eyesight because if you don't protect your eyesight, you're going to lose your sight. and You don't want to go through the world blind. Well, I know several people who are famous scientists who have contributed much to the world and they're blind. Well, does mm -hmm. that mean then as a child, you want to poke your eyes out? <laughs> Exactly. Does that mean do you do you think that you could go to those people and say, "Hey, would it be would, would you would you choose not to have your sight?" Right. Or would you would you would do you think it's good for people to be able to see? Now, now there's some scientists though, they're blind. So, why don't you go ahead and poke your eyes out and you'll be more successful at Exactly. Uh, no. Um, hey, hey Alabama says if your spouse leaves you but refuses to divorce because God hated divorce, are you still not put away? That's right. Listen, I, I'm, I have dealt with this scenario personally and no people have personally dealt with it. I'm going to use California. I have never looked this up. I am only going by what people from California have told me. If, if I'm wrong, that means they're wrong and shame on them for misleading me <laughs> in California. Okay. In a lot of this, in a lot of States, if your spouse leaves you and sends you divorce papers in the mail or comes to the house and leaves them, 
you can refuse to sign and you can make their life kind of hard. In other words, you can make it hard for them to divorce you. But in California, if you don't sign those papers in a timely manner, you'll be thrown in jail. A court order. Okay. So let's say me and LaBeth are living in California. LaBeth finds her another man that she likes better than me. And she sends me divorce papers. And I refuse to, or, or, and I refuse to sign. I go to jail. Could it be that I go to the church and I go to the eldership and I set the eldership down and we talk and I say, listen, it needs to be public and it needs to be before the church. I'm not going to go to jail because, for a signature on a piece of paper. I'm going to sign this paper, but I need it to be made. And I'm going to, I'm going to have a notary, a notarized legal document written up by a lawyer stating that a, a pursuant to my uh, First Amendment rights, my freedom of religion and freedom of speech, I'm going to object to the divorce and I consider us to still be married, but I have no control over her. And I'm going to sign those papers and, and it's, but it's under, it's under, uh, not duress. It's under objection. That's not the right word, but, uh, I think, I think that's perfectly fine. Okay. In other words, do you have to go to jail to be right with God? It's kind of correct. And I don't think you do now. Hey, hey, Alabama says no divorce papers. They just left. Yeah, no, you're, you're still, you're still married in the eyes of God. That's first Corinthians. Seven, seven, ten, and eleven. Yeah, yeah. If 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 the if the spouse leaves, you got to let them go. But if the spouse, um, if if this if, but you're still married, you got to be reconciled to your spouse. And I don't know. I God hates divorce, sure, but that gets into the conversation of is is divorce in and of itself sinful? Uh. Yeah. Some people claim yes. The The problem is, I mean, just because God hates it doesn't, doesn't make it sinful. Mm. Um, That's a whole and it depends on what you mean by divorce. Yeah. Because yeah. technically, if, if my wife leaves me, we're not divorced. And if I sign papers legally dissolving the marriage on earth with the public statement that we are still married in the eyes of God. Um, I don't think that, that I don't think uh, that not, a divorce makes. Yeah. You're not divorcing the eyes of God. Yeah. So it's, so it's almost a, a non sequitur. Yeah. You know, just, just because papers are filed at a courthouse does not mean that I'm divorced. Right. That's the thing. And just, just because my, my wife leaves me and go live somewhere else and, and, remain celibate and single the rest of their lives, that doesn't mean that I'm divorced. Or let's say she leaves, you, you part ways and it's not for fornication, and she goes and starts gambling all the money that y'all had, and you're jointly married legal by the land, you know. Yeah. And and you plead with her repeatedly to quit spending the money that, like, you would even, you know, just like, I'll give you some money you know, yeah. I'll give you a gift to help take care of you to get your feet, get on your feet, whatever. You don't want to be married to me. We just can't, we can't get along, whatever. There's no way. We've tried everything. I've been counseling a thousand times, whatever. Yeah. If you go and say to the courts, I've got to get a divorce from this because she's sucking the money out of my bank account. You know, I can't get, does God hate that? 
like you're in sin, aka yeah. you're in sin because you did that. Well, I, I don't think so. I, let's use a scenario that that's a little easily more easily digested. As from a from the man to the woman, if the woman leaves the man because he's beating her to a bloody pulp three times a year, yeah, and he needs to get away from her to the point where she he can never find her again, she's going to have to divorce him. Yeah, and so is she in sin because she divorced him because of that? I don't. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Well, she's not divorced in the eyes of God. That's right. That she just legally dissolved the union That's in right. the eyes of the state. So in that scenario, at that point, she would not be, in God's eyes, free right. to remarry. And, yeah, you're right. She wouldn't be free to remarry either. Um, yeah, if one if one makes that decision, of course, your goal would be convert them and uh, set the right example. Children become the big issue in that scenario example-wise. But certainly it would be best to guide the children to a Christian in the first place and avoid all the risk. Yeah, funny how that works. Like I said, they can always fall away and all that. You can always make the case that, well, I can marry a Christian 20 years later, they become an atheist. But yeah. you set yourself up better to begin with the way yeah. God would want you to and the same way with teaching yeah. our children. And I'm not saying he said that. I'm just justifying Correct. myself because I know there's naysayers sometimes, and I've heard people, yeah, but I knew people, and they married a member, and their member committed fornication. Yeah, but that's not the solid standard. Yeah. That's not the way God – God wants God's people to – to, you know, to marry one another so that they can be successful yeah. in their marriage. Ben makes a good point here in, in, as far as our scenario. And in, because somebody, you know, about, well, is, is divorce sinful in and of itself? Look, in an authorized divorce, it is sinful on behalf of the one who sinned. Mm -hmm. Though there might be scenarios where the quote-unquote innocent spouse had some responsibility. So, yeah, it's mm -hmm. again, that, that would mean you take this on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't, I can't co-sign on the statement, all divorce is sin. I can't. Right. I yeah, divorce is sinful. Well, uh, I, okay. Yeah, if you just, so, yeah. There, well, there that's are cases where it definitely is. That's well, the thing. That, that's like tattoos. Is getting a tattoo sinful or is being tattooed sinful? Is getting a divorce sinful or is being divorced sinful? If God hates divorce, you've got to answer that question. Mm -hmm. If getting a divorce is sinful, then then I'm fine. But if being divorced is sinful, how do I repent of? In fact, how do I repent of either one of those? Either if one. divorce is sinful, how do I repent of being divorced? Or how do I, how I, how do I repent of the divorce? How do you how bear do I, fruits worthy of repentance on that? Acts twenty six twenty. How would you exactly? Not just repent. So again, one but, man, one woman for life, none of these issues come up. Yeah, exactly. All right. Folks, I think we're going to call her here. We've been, we're six minutes shy, two hours. Yep. I really appreciate everybody. Um, Aaron has already kind of give his synopsis. I appreciate, look, with, without you, this wouldn't have been a, well, it may not be. It may not, may, you may think, Tony, this one a very good podcast. I think it was a good episode, and the reason I think it's a good episode is because of you all and your questions, because without that, I mean, we wouldn't have anything to talk about, really. Yep. Um, I would love for every one of you to subscribe on Substack. Aaron has started a weekly uh, article for the Book of Romans, uh, and I, I noticed uh, Jameson Stewart in, in Centered on Christ is finished, or in about three-fourths of the way through Romans, so... 
Uh, he may think we're copying him. Jameson, <laughs> if you listen to this, we're not copying you. There's too many um, good brethren doing things for to never look like you're not copying someone. It's I know like, it. There's always I know it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that that is for our paid subscribers. So yeah. you can get a free subscription on Substack, or you can do a five dollar a month, and you get access to the. Um, you can get access to the. Um, yeah, the premium uh, content, the premium, which includes the Romans. Yeah, which includes the Romans, and yeah. hopefully soon will include some other stuff. Yeah, Scott says I'm missing the Lindsay promos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well we 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 cut back on those. That's um, it's partly because Tony was good at making them. That's why. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You um, start doing commercials for folks. I do, boy. Let me tell you something, y'all. If you y'all know anybody that needs yeah. a little online promo or something, that I'll put video one together you made for was good. It was good. Um, but anyway, uh, so. Subscribe to Substack. You can send us uh, money directly uh, through our tip jar at www.nearchurches.gmail.com. Uh, $5 a month on Substack. You can join the Patreon. And, uh, yeah, subscribe to the podcast on on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and Podbean under Cogitations. And that's all I've got. You ready, Aaron? Yep, that's it. Thank you so much. Right. I enjoyed it. We'll catch you on the flip side, folks. We'll see you.